Are you tired of all the voices who say, focus on the bottom line numbers? Say whatever you have to, just close the sale. Just get the credit card. It doesn't matter what you deliver. You will never build a successful business until you grow a pair and stop caring so much. Here, we respectfully disagree. We give you permission to embrace who you are, how much you care, and encourage you to design a business that works for you and your clients. Welcome to The Art of Giving a Damn, the podcast that proves with every single episode that you can create a profitable business doing what you're passionate about and making a positive difference in the world. Now, here's your host, Michelle Schaefer. Welcome to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. Today, my guest is Maggie Kelly. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have a conversation with you because I think the topic we're about to dive into is one almost everyone can relate to, how intensely connected we are to all of these little devices and how it's affected our ability to connect with real people in the real world. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a total misnomer that we think that we are connected. Um, we're more like tethered. And <clears throat> yeah, and you know, I run a meditation center in San Diego, the beautiful, beautiful spot. And one of my house rules is you can't come here with a phone. You have to leave your phone in your car. You can't even come on the property with it. And that sometimes makes people super uncomfortable. I can imagine you might get a very, very strong reaction to that. Well, you know, partly people don't show up to my house, my meditation center by accident. Right. Right. Most people are looking for a way to simmer down the stress or they're stuck in some part of their lives or in some kind of a transition and looking for assistance. They know a little bit about meditation. They know a little bit about maybe it would be helpful. They're just not not sure. And so I think reminder emails that you have to leave your phone. I think it's the beginning. That's what I want it to be is the beginning of that journey of reconnecting and untethering. Love that. Well, let's uh, officially introduce you here to the audience. So uh, here's a few things that you should know about Maggie as we dive into this conversation. Not long after her chronically ill son, Maggie became disillusioned, heartbroken, aimless, and found herself really questioning what her life's purpose was and set out to change her mindset and begin to live her life illuminated. With the question, is this all there is, always on her mind, Maggie left a lucrative career in marketing at one of the country's most prestigious media companies and set out to find the answer to that question. And I think that's a question that a lot of us have asked throughout our lives is, is this all there is? Uh, Maggie began meditating and studying under Deepak Chopra over 11 years ago and is now spiritual teacher, life and meditation coach, and owns the beautiful Satsang House in the uh, in North County, San Diego area. She's also the host of the inspirational one-of-a-kind Life Illuminated podcast where she challenges her guests to dig deeply, to implement the shifts and changes in their life, to catapult them into living a life they envision now. So you've had an interesting journey, Maggie. For sure. Yeah, I have. 
Well, let's, let's start there. What made you decide to open a meditation center and go the direction you have with business? I mean, you left what sounds like a secure job. To Very. <laughs> Big shift. But, you know, it was, um, it was one of those things that was supposed to happen. You know, I think that there are no accidents in life. And, you know, I was in such a state of just what is next? What do I do? What do I do with myself? I'm supposed to have the answers to how to care for this child who, you know, is chronically ill. And um, and I didn't. I didn't have the answers. And I'm one of those people who, like, has the answers. And I think I do. And I think I've got it handled. And I don't need anybody. And I got it. And that whole process threw me for a loop. And um, the beautiful part about it was that at least I was listening to that internal dialogue that was saying, you got to do something. You you know, the change isn't going to come from out there. The change can only come from here. And um, I remember having read some books written by Deepak Chopra when I was in college and I picked up one and realized that the center was right here in San Diego. And so I started taking courses and every course that Deepak teaches begins with the process of teaching you meditation. So I got hooked because I was in this state of just absolute panic all the time, like waiting for the next shoe to drop in so much stress. That really meditation taught me that I didn't have to live like that. I didn't have to be so amped up all the time. So, you know, in that, in that time, like 15 years ago, we didn't, we weren't as attached to our cell phones as we are today. It was sort of just starting to get crazy. So it wasn't so much that it was just that life on life's terms was really, really tricky. I can imagine having a source of, of constant worry like that when somebody you love is chronically ill or you yourself are going through things. It does cause somebody to be in almost survival mode and that really amped up stressful state 24-7 because you do get into that space where you're like, okay, well, what's next? What's going to go wrong next? How did you get yourself out of that? And I know meditation is a part of that for you, but like, what was the mindset that you had to put yourself in to say, not only do I want this to change, but I'm going to change it. Because a lot of us, we get in those spaces and everybody, I think, would say, well, I don't want to be so connected. I don't want to be so stressed. But they don't take the actions to actually change it. Well, I think that, you know, and I love the title of your podcast, The Art of Giving a Damn, because really it started there. It started with me noticing and paying attention to the kind of person I was becoming under that stress that I was becoming agitated, easily annoyed, impatient, talking over people, interrupting everyone. Always quick to anger. I mean, I was just this short fuse ready to blow. And it was because I noticed that and actually started to look in here instead of out there for the answer I started to realize, look, the only change that can happen has to come from me. I got to do something because I don't want this time with these kids. And I have two. And at the time, they were really young, like three and five or something. I don't want these kids to grow up with a crazy mother. 
and that's the mother I was. <laughs> I was <clears throat> out of control, truly, completely out of control. And I didn't want to look back that no matter how long my son lives with cystic fibrosis is what he has, no matter how long I have him, I didn't want to ever look back and regret that I, that I was an angry mom and that my kids saw me that way. And that wasn't who I wanted to be. And so really it was about giving a damn about being the kind of mom that I always thought I would be. I love that. I think so often we let ourselves off the hook with, well, this is just the way I am, or this is just the way life is, instead of doing that hard work of looking at how am I showing up and is this who I want to be? Because that is a question that if we're willing to ask ourselves and really honestly look at ourselves in that mirror, we can change any of those things. That's right. And so um, uh, earlier you asked me how I got into the job and my what I'm doing, and that's how it started was – I saw the shift in myself and how dramatic it was. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like this big epiphany and, oh, I was just this great person after that. It took a lot of hard work and a lot of digging. And um, I think one of the misnomers that we have out there is that when you awaken or you become enlightened, that somehow it's this beautiful experience and, you know, white lights shine and all that. It isn't like that. You have to really be willing to dig deep and, and uncover the stuff that's stuck, that has you stuck and all those limiting beliefs and the roadblocks that keep you from living the life that you envision. And until you're able to go through that eye of the needle, you're not going to be able to create that life that you're excited about. You just, you just aren't. It's sort of like um, one of my favorite teachers is Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Vietnamese monk. And one of the things that he says is you have to have the toothache in order to know what life is like without the toothache. So you have to live through some kind of suffering, some kind of upheaval in your world in order to really appreciate how beautiful your life really is. And it's that, you know, it's a very basic Buddhist fundamental philosophy that everybody's life includes suffering and suffering is where the gold is. That's where the growth is. That's where the gold is. So for anybody listening who's, who's looking at this and, and thinking, you know, there are things that I want to change about who I am being right now. I want to look at life differently. Where do you suggest somebody start to dive into that journey? Uh, you know, for me, it, it really is a matter of returning to yourself. We think that in order to have some quiet respite we have to get on an airplane and go somewhere far away and lay on a beach and the truth is is that the silence is always there we're the ones who leave we're the ones who fill it with another google search or a facebook you know pass through or to see who's doing what on instagram or whatever filling returning a million texts or whatever it is we do or just going to the refrigerator and rummaging for something to eat when we're not even hungry we 
for the most part, as human beings, we think that happiness comes from somewhere out there. And it's just not true. Everything you need to be happy and fulfilled and joyful is inside you already. And if we can just get still and return to that sense of silence and return to our inner selves, we're going to hear all the answers. We think we have questions. I love that. I actually wrote that down. The silence is always there. We're the ones who leave. That's, that's a different way to look at it. Well, think about it. I, I believe it's the root of all addiction that we are grasping and clinging and striving and, and looking out there. We think that we're going to be happier if we have those three letters behind our name or if we have that car or if we're married to that particular person. We think we're going to be happier. And more often than not, once we get all that stuff we think we need, we're no happier. And it doesn't help that you turn on the TV and every ad you see is trying to persuade you of something right? That you need that car, that you need to eat in that place, that you need to wear those shoes. It's it's funny you say that because I don't have cable TV. I chose decades ago to cancel that particular subscription to chaos. And um, when I was at a hotel recently and I turned on the TV just to see, I could not believe the amount of things that I just felt bombarded with. And then I start going, oh, wait, should I have that? Do I need that? And and I'm, I'm looking at it going, this is why. I got rid of it in the first place. But it was an interesting moment to realize how easy it is to fall into that of thinking that we need all these other things that we didn't even know existed 30 seconds ago. And suddenly they're they're a necessity in life. And, And it's interesting to me that you went from a marketing job where that's what we do in marketing, right? Is, okay, how do we get people to believe they need this thing to go from that into kind of the opposite with the meditation and the idea of you are complete as you are. Let's, let's discover that. What was that transition like for you to make such a dramatic change in the, the direction? Well, as I said before, it wasn't like this epiphany, like this, aha, I'm completely changed. <laughs> and it wasn't immediate. It took time. It was subtle. And I tell this to all my meditation students is, you know, the, the more dedicated you are to a meditation practice, and, and I always recommend twice a day every day, bookending your day with it. Okay. Um, but that the more dedication that you put into that practice and you try to keep up with it, mm-hmm. the slow, slow change and shift, it's subtle, but it's very profound. And sometimes the people in your life notice the shift in you before you ever notice. I would believe that. I have a, I had a mother-daughter um, group come for meditation once, and the mom had been with me for a year. She mm-hmm. comes every week. And she had never brought her 14-year-old daughter before. And so I just said, you know, have you noticed a change in your mom at all since she's been coming to me? And she said, oh, my God. She doesn't yell at us anymore. She doesn't, she's not impatient. She seems so much calmer. And her mom was absolutely floored. Her mother had not seen that about herself. But her child, her 14-year-old, noticed. I love that. Well, that's, that's a fantastic testimonial to the idea that sometimes we don't actually see the progress that really is happening 
Um, I think that's a common thing for a lot of us. We're focused on so many things. It's hard to see from outside what other people are seeing in us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's, that's the other, that's the other thing that will trip somebody up when they come to me and they think, oh, she's just going to teach me how to meditate. I'm, I'm going to be all good. Everything's great. I'll just leave, you know, and that's not, that's our society that says, let's just, you know, you can't Google peace. It's, you it's cannot. Yes. There is no quick fix. You didn't get into this state of unconsciousness yeah. overnight. You didn't. So you, you, you can't expect that you're going to come out of it overnight either because it takes mindfulness. It takes something from you and a dedication from you yeah. and a commitment from you to shift Yeah, because we are so bombarded with television and billboards and text messages and we got to do it now, have it now, be now, more, different, better, all day long. And we have to be the ones that say, time out, I'm not going down this road like you. That's just so brilliant. I did that before too, is just completely get rid of the TV for like two years. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, you, you mentioned before. the time I brought it back into my life. It's scary. Oh, yeah. When you mentioned before about that idea of being constantly tethered to things, I think that's, it's, it's just kind of, it's everywhere. It's hard to disconnect from. So uh, let me ask a different question from the perspective of somebody who is running a business. I mean, you've got lots of stuff going on. How do you keep yourself from being tied 24-7? Uh, to technology, to the phones, to everything else. I have very clear boundaries for myself. And it all, it, it's all about a notion of mindful consumption. And I don't just mean what you're eating, right? Most people think consumption is food. I'm talking about being mindfully con- consumptive of what are you watching on TV? What movies are you watching? What kind of music do you listen to? Who is in your life? Is this person nurturing to me or nourishing to me or is this person toxic? Mm-hmm. So starting there, then defining for me, for the most part, my phone, the ringer is never on. Mm-hmm. Unless my children are out with friends and I'm not sure that they're perfectly safe, right. that phone is off. I and I don't think it's selfish for me to say, this is not something I want intruding on my silence all the time. Now, I'm a business owner, so I do need to be in connection with people. So if I happen to be near the phone and I see a phone number that I've never seen before, I'll typically pick that up. But the ringer's never on. Never. And I'm very mindful to have removed all media and social media accounts from my phone. So removing CNN or NBC or Facebook or Instagram, anything like that that feels like it's almost luring you in. Like, oh, so I I have five minutes to wait for the doctor. Oh, okay, I'll look at my phone. (laughs) Why not just talk to the person 
that's sitting next to you in the chair. A real human conversation. Wow, there's a thought, right? I mean, we have lost the art of connection. And we think that we are connected. We think we're more connected than ever. And then ever, and we are in a sense, but it's a very false sense. It is. It's a false sense because what I see in people around me is even the ones who are the most connected, most active on social media. They've got their family on there. They've got their friends. They got their everything's on there. They're some of the loneliest people when you actually talk to them because there isn't that real connection the same way anymore. Well, I'm glad you said the word lonely because I will tell you that I, you know, I, I pretty much work six days a week and I see an epidemic of loneliness, epidemic of loneliness, people feeling so disconnected from themselves, but also from the person who they might be sleeping next to. How many of us use our cell phone as an alarm clock? So what that means is that phone is by your bed. So it's the last thing that you're looking at before you go to sleep, and it's the first thing you pick up in the morning. The minute you turn that phone on, you are being persuaded of something all the time, all day long. So in my opinion, the the biggest gift you can give to yourself is to establish healthy technological boundaries. You know, I ha- you and me and most people who are in business, we have to be in front of a computer during the day. At least so, yeah. Yeah, you can't avoid it, right? So I'm not trying to say all or nothing because we can't do that. It's not realistic. Yeah. But f- even just today, just turn your phone off for 15 minutes. And I don't mean turn the ringer off. I mean turn the whole shooting match off, all the way powered down. For 15 minutes, so you won't even be tempted to check. Oh, did I get a notification? The other thing I would advise is that you turn off all notifications, all pinging, all vibrating, all dings and dongs and all of that. Because every time that happens, your attention gets divided. Every time. So if if you have somebody in your life who has... um, uh, anxiety or ADHD, a cell phone, all the notifications is probably the worst thing that person can have in their hand. It just perpetuates the, the ping pong. It, you know, we're like pinball, pinballs inside of an empty shoebox. That is absolutely all day how some big days feel. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, and I have such a strong reaction to the idea of actually turning it off. About six months ago, I decided to start doing yoga. A friend talked me into doing hot yoga with him, and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a shot, you know. <laughs> and I walk in the room, and the teacher says, I'm sorry, cell phones aren't allowed. You can leave it in the locker room. And I immediately went almost into a panic mode because I'm thinking for an hour my phone is going to be out of reach, and then I realized – how silly that was that it sent me into that much anxiety to let go of my phone for an hour. It's been a really good exercise for me to have to have that thing because I don't think I could have done it on my own, but having somebody else say, no, next hour, no phone was really good for me just to be able to see, oh, the world did not end in that hour. Nothing exploded that can't be fixed. And it was a, it was a tough exercise to say, okay, I'm going to disconnect, even though it was only an hour. 
it's it's crazy how dependent we become on the devices. And really, it isn't so much about disconnecting as it is about reconnecting with yourself, with who you are, what you really want, even asking yourself the question, who am I? How am I best suited to use my gifts and talents to serve humanity? What am I grateful for? Just check in to just be still and listen for the answer. The answer will always come. If you're still and you're quiet and you're not distracting yourself with all that extraneous craziness. Yeah, you know, that's, that's something that I think really needs to come back for more people, that ability to just sit still and figure out what is it that you're here to do. You can't do it with all the noise around you. You really do have to take that time and just kind of allow yourself to find the answers in silence. It doesn't come when you're busy 24-7 with everybody else's priorities and everybody else's fires that you're dealing with. That's right. And, and as a meditation teacher, life coach, I incorporate meditation into my life coaching. And what I found was last month was so busy. I was going from one appointment to another appointment. Then I am also a podcaster and I was podcasting and editing and doing all this stuff. And I started to realize that I was getting sucked right back into that old way of being that you've got to fill every minute with something. So I completely shifted the hours that I'm open now. I don't open until 1130. And in that morning space, I do my meditation and my yoga and I catch up on some emails. And then I take care of my clients. And I just in the two weeks that I have shifted the schedule of Satsang House, I've noticed a shift in who I'm being again, back to that calmer, steadier Maggie. We have to, we have to be responsible for silencing ourselves, quieting our mind, reconnecting to our innermost voices and our innermost dreams and desires. Because I, for one, and I'm sure you don't either, want to wake up on my deathbed and look back and say, why didn't I do it differently? Why was I so consumed with all the doingness that I didn't take the kids on that trip? Or I, you know, why didn't I? Why did I do other things, right? I don't want to live my life like I'm just supposed to survive it. I want to live my life thriving and contributing somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's something that is such an important question to, to stop and look at when we're making decisions. Is, is this a decision that I'm going to be proud of, happy with, feel good about later in life, or am I going to look back and regret what I let myself get sucked back into because it's interesting that even someone who is as aware as you are, I mean, you literally own an, a meditation center and teach meditation, you still have that constant reminder of let me make the decisions I want to make and let me stay 
who I want to be. That's uh, encouraging in some ways, right, for the rest of us to hear that it's okay, that it's a constant battle as long as we choose to keep conscious of it. Well, and that's a really great point because it's that, it's that person who comes to me and thinks, oh, now I'm good. It's all good. I came and I learned how to meditate and I'm good. Oh it doesn't God. work like that. And, and that's where it's a muscle. That's why you call it a meditation practice because you're practicing and every day is a practice. It isn't just you go once a week and you, you meditate with Maggie and then you're cured or whatever it you think you are. You actually have to put in an effort. And that takes a lot from today's society because today's society is, and I've got a 17-year-old son who lives and breathes by Instagram and his phone, right? So today's society is about instant everything. You know, now I don't even have to drive my own car. I can just get in my car and someone will drive me. Push the button. They come and get you. Crazy, right? Yes. And it takes, it's going to take something from all of us, each one of us individually, to fight that impulse to get on that train, that bullet train of give it to me now. Right. I need it now. I want to know now. So the lack of patience, the lack of just being still that exists in our society today is a true detriment to the next generation, my son's generation. My daughter's 20, almost 21. I don't see it quite so bad in her as I do in her brother, who's 17. It's almost like each generation is more consumed. It is, and it's, it's the role models that each generation sees. The more sucked into our devices we are, and the more unable to disconnect and focus on them, they see that as normal. Well, how many times have you gone out to dinner and you can look at a booth next to you with a family of four and they're supposedly out to dinner, right, together, and all four of them are looking at their phone. And no one is, no one among them is saying, hey, guys, we don't get to spend a lot of time together. How about we put all of our phones in the center of the table? That would be my other suggestion, because when I go out with girlfriends, we do that. We see everybody's phone in the center, in the middle of the table, and we're not touching it. We're just going to be together. You know, I've done that with colleagues. Whoever grabs their phone first gets to pay the bill. Ooh, I like that. It's a good way to kind of incentivize everyone. To, it's actually taught, you know, it's, it's funny. I was in the gym uh, day before yesterday in the evening. I normally go in the morning, but I went in the evening. And as I looked around, I noticed how many people were just sitting there on their phones, like at the gym. And I just had this moment of, of kind of sadness for, for us that we don't focus and we're not present in what we're doing. We're so busy with what else might we be missing, what might be going on on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. And then we wonder why we're not happy or why we're lonely or why we're feeling that we're less than or not connected. So, yeah, it's a really big conversation. And, um, you know, the best thing that anyone listening can do is to start implementing a few mindful practices into your life what are you consuming because no matter what no matter where you are no matter if you're sleeping or you're awake 
your consciousness is always consuming. So while you and I are talking and I'm fully present to our conversation, I see butterflies flying all over my garden. And my dog, I hear my dog down the hall, right? So even if we're fully connected, like you and I are present with one another, our consciousness is still eating around us. And so it doesn't, it, it matters. It really matters who you surround yourself with, what you're consuming, whether it's food or gambling or too much eating or too much shopping or drinking or too much sex or whatever you're doing to try and fill that void. If we could all just stop for a minute and ask ourselves, is this really a nurturing and nourishing behavior or is this something... toxic for me in my life we might shift something absolutely i think you're right this is such a big conversation that people really need to have so i appreciate you taking time out today to come on the podcast and and give listeners something that i think will get them started moving in a more mindful direction yeah i mean it really it's and it's not going to happen overnight the habits that we have that we've created need to be unraveled and undone. And we can't unravel, you can't change something you don't acknowledge. So it makes sense to first just sort of survey your day. Just watch yourself during your day. Just start to pay attention to how you fill that 10 minutes of what you think is boredom. Right. But you just not fill it with anything. Just sit, close your eyes and sit and watch how uncomfortable you get. Like you did in the yoga class, right? We will be, you will be uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean reach for the phone, right? That just means let me be in the discomfort, right? It's the toothache. It's the toothache before you can feel what it's like not to have one. Such an important lesson to learn. Awesome. Well, let's tell listeners where they can go to find out more about you. So we've got two websites, and guys, wherever you're listening or watching this at, they will be somewhere near the audio or video, so that you can easily click them, but that's maggiekelly.com and sotsanghouse.com. That's where you can go. Dot net. Sotsanghouse.net. Sotsanghouse.net. Yep. That's where you can go to find out more about the meditation center. Yes. If you're listening to this and thinking, I just want to dive all the way in, I want to try a silent retreat or meditation, mm-hmm. check it out. It may be a great place for you to take your next step toward that more mindful life. And uh, check out Maggie's podcast. You can find that iTunes everywhere. Yep, awesome. iTunes and everywhere else. All right. Life Illuminated. Life Illuminated. There will be a link somewhere near where you're watching or listening today. Maggie, thank you again for coming on and sharing what your experience has been and your journey in life. Yes, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in and listening today. Uh, Hit like, rate, review, subscribe, and join us again for another episode.